Chapter One of Marjorie Dean, High School Freshman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ashley Jane. Marjorie Dean, High School Freshman by Pauline Lester. Chapter One The Parting of Ways. What am I going to do without you, Marjorie? Mary Raymond's blue eyes looked suspiciously misty as she solemnly regarded her chum. What am I going to do without you, you mean? corrected Marjorie Dean with a wistful smile. Please, please, don't let's talk of it. I simply can't bear it. One, two, only two more weeks now, sighed Mary. You'll surely write to me, Marjorie. Of course, silly girl, returned Marjorie, patting her friend's arm affectionately. I'll write at least once a week. Marjorie Dean's merry face looked unusually sober as she walked down the corridor beside Mary and into the locker room of the Franklin High School. The two friends put on their wraps almost in silence. The majority of the girl students of the big city high school had passed out some little time before. Marjorie had lingered for a last talk with Miss Fielding, who taught English and was the idol of the school, while Mary had hung about outside the classroom to wait for her chum. It seemed to Mary that the greatest sorrow of her sixteen years had come. Marjorie, her sworn ally and confidant, was going away for good and all. When, six years before, a brown-eyed little girl of nine, with long golden-brown curls, had moved into the house next door to the Raymonds, Mary had lost no time in making her acquaintance. They had begun with shy little nods and smiles, which soon developed into doorstep confidences. Within two weeks, Mary, whose eyes were very blue and whose short yellow curls reminded one of the golden petals of a daffodil, had become Marjorie's adorer and slave. She it was who had escorted Marjorie to the Lincoln Grammar School and seen her triumphantly through her first week there. She had thrilled with unselfish pride to see how quickly the other little girls of the school had succumbed to Marjorie's charm. She had felt a most delightful sense of pardonable vanity when, as the year progressed, Marjorie had preferred her above all the others. She had clung to Mary, even though Alice Lawton, who rode to school every day in a shining limousine, had tried her utmost to be best friends with the brown-eyed little girl, whose pretty face and lovable personality had soon made her the pet of the school. Year after year Mary and Marjorie had lived side by side and kept their childish faith. But now, here they were, just beginning their freshman year in Franklin High School, to which they had so long looked forward, and about to be separated, for Marjorie's father had been made manager of the northern branch of his employer's business, and Marjorie was going to live in the little city of Sanford. 
Instead of being a freshman in dear old Franklin, she was to enter the freshman class in Sanford High School, where she didn't know a solitary girl, and where she was sure she would be too unhappy for words. During the first days which had followed the dismaying news that Marjorie Dean was going to leave Franklin High School and go hundreds of miles away, the two friends had talked of little else. There was so much to be said, yet now that their parting was but two weeks off, they felt the weight of the coming separation bearing heavily upon them. Both young faces wore expressions of deepest gloom as they walked slowly down the steps of the school building and traversed the short space of stone walk that led to the street. It was Marjorie who broke the silence. No other girl can ever be as dear to me as you are. You know that, don't you, Mary? Mary nodded mutely. Her blue eyes had filled with a sudden rush of hot tears. But it won't do any good, continued Marjorie slowly, for us to mourn over being separated. We know how we feel about each other, and that's going to be a whole lot of comfort to us after... I'm gone. Her girlish treble faltered slightly. Then she threw her arm across Mary's shoulder and said with a forced steadiness of tone, I'm not going to be silly and cry. This is one of those vicissitudes of life that Professor Taylor was talking about in chapel yesterday. We must be very brave. We'll write lots of letters and visit each other during vacation. And perhaps, some day, I'll come back here to live. Of course you will. You must come back, nodded Mary her face brightening at the prospect of a future reunion, even though remote. "'Can't you come with me to dinner?' coaxed Marjorie, as they paused at the corner where they were accustomed to wait for their respective streetcars. "'You know, you are one of Mother's exceptions. I never have to give notice before bringing you home.' "'Not tonight. I'm going out this evening.' returned Mary vaguely. I must hurry home. Where are you going? asked Marjorie curiously. You never said a word about it this morning. Oh, didn't I? Well, I'm going out with... Here comes your car, Marjorie. You'd better hurry home too. Why? Marjorie's brown eyes looked their reproach. Do you want to get rid of me, Mary? I've oceans of time before dinner. You know we never have it until half past six. Never mind. I'll take this car. Goodbye. With a proud little nod of her head, Marjorie climbed the steps of the car, which had now stopped at the corner, without giving her friend an opportunity for a reply. Mary looked after the moving car with a rueful smile that changed to one of glee. Her eyes danced. She hasn't the least idea of what's going to happen, thought the little fluffy-haired girl. Won't she be surprised? Now that she's gone, Clark and Ethel and Selden ought to be here. A shrill whistle farther up the street caused her to glance quickly in the direction of the sound. Two young men were hurrying toward her, 
their boyish faces alight with enthusiasm and good nature. "'It's all okay, Mary,' called the taller of the two, his black eyes glowing. "'Every last thing has been thought of. Ethel has the pin. She'll be along in a minute.' "'It's a peach,' shouted the smaller lad, waving his cap, then jamming it down on his thick, fair hair. "'We've been waiting up the street for Marjorie to take her car. Thought she'd never start.' "'I am afraid I hurt her feelings,' deplored Mary. "'I forgot myself and told her she had better hurry home. "'She looked at me in the most reproachful way.' "'Cheer up,' laughed Clark Grayson, the black-eyed youth. "'Tonight will fix things. All the fellows are coming.' "'So are all the girls.' returned Mary happily. I do wish Ethel would hurry. I'm so anxious to see the pin. I know Marjorie will love it. Oh, here comes Ethel now. Ethel Duval, a tall, slender girl of sixteen, with earnest grey-blue eyes and wavy flaxen hair, joined the trio with, I'm so glad we waited. I wanted you to see the pin, Mary. She was fumbling busily in her shopping bag as she spoke. Here it is. She held up a small square package, which, when divested of its white paper wrapping, disclosed a blue plush box. A second later, Mary was exclaiming over the dainty beauty of the bit of jewellery lying securely on its white satin bed. The pin was fashioned in the form of a golden butterfly, the body of which was set with tiny pearls. Oh, breathed Mary, isn't it wonderful? But do you suppose her mother will allow her to accept such an expensive gift? It must have cost a lot of money. Fifteen dollars, announced Clark cheerfully. But it was a case of only fifty cents apiece, and besides, it's for Marjorie. Fifteen times fifteen dollars wouldn't be too much for her. Every fellow and girl that was invited accepted the invitation and handed over the tax. To make things sure, Ethel went round to see Marjorie's mother about it and won her over to our side, so that's settled. It's perfectly lovely, sighed Mary in rapture. And you boys have worked so hard to make the whole affair a gorgeous success. I'm afraid we'd better be moving on, though. It won't be long now until half-past seven. I do hope everyone will be on time. They've all been warned, declared Selden Ames. Goodbye, then, until tonight. The two boys raised their caps and swung down the street, while Mary and Ethel stopped for one more look at the precious pin that in later days was to mean far more to their schoolmate, Marjorie Dean, than they had ever dreamed. End of chapter 1 Recording by Ashley Jane